I'm Dulce Sloan and welcome to That Black Ass Show, a podcast celebrating the black TV shows, movies, plays, and all types of black content that have and continue to shape the world. Now, before we get into the shows we'll be talking about this week, we wanted to let you know that this is our last episode. I know. Get the thirsty. We've celebrated so many black ass shows and movies, so I really want to thank the listeners for rocking with us and our guests who have been amazing. While this show is coming to an end, no matter what, we will continue to highlight, uplift, and celebrate the black content that shapes us and the world. Now this week, we'll be talking about the shows The Carmichael Show and Rel. The Carmichael Show was largely inspired by comedian Gerard Carmichael's real-life family and didn't shy away from controversial topics such as sexual assault, Bill Cosby, Islamophobia, and mental health issues. It was created by Gerard Carmichael, Nicholas Stoller, Ari Catcher and Willie Hunter. I just say his name like that. I don't know why. And aired on NBC from 2015 to 2017. The cast included Gerard Carmichael, David Allen Greer, Loretta Devine, Amber Stephen West, Laurel Howery, and Tiffany Haddish. Rel was a 2018 sitcom which starred comedian Laurel Howery. He played a loving husband and father living on the west side of Chicago, grappling with the recent discovery of his wife having an affair with <gasps> Rel's own barber. Dun, dun, dun. It was created by Rel Howery, Josh Rabinowitz, and Kevin Barnett, and starred Jessica Jess Hilarious Moore, Jordan L. Jones, and comedian Sinbad. Today's guest is writer, actor, and producer Willie Hunter. Again, don't know why I say his name like that. I just like it. He was one of the co-creators and writers of The Carmichael Show, as well as a writer for the show, Rel. You've seen him in the all-Negro wave for Comedy Central's Roast Battle, HBO's Crashing, Freeform's Alone Together, and TBS's Dion Cole's Black Box. Heads up, Willie Hunter lovingly talks about comedian and one of the creators of The Rel Show, Kevin Barnett, who passed away on January 22, 2019, and who made a significant impact on many in the stand-up comedy community. Also, some quick housekeeping. You'll hear my producer in the background since we recorded this pre-pandemic. Put your mask on. All right, let's start the show. Mr. Willie Hunter. Hello, friend. Hello, man. Thanks for having me. This is man, great. thank you for coming. I am so excited to talk to you today um, because I don't think, because I think people just know you as like a member of the wave yeah, uh, on Roast Battle, but you co-created two amazing shows. Well, just one. Just well, you co-created one show yeah. and then you wrote another one, yeah. but like you helped co-create the Carmichael show? Yeah, yeah. Pretty wild. So wait, so your first writing job was the Dion Cole show. Yes. So how did you go from doing that show? Because you created this show with Gerard, Nicholas Stoller, and Ari Ketcher. I think I've met Ari. Yeah, Ari. Uh, maybe, maybe you have. But I don't think I know Nicholas. How did you? How did you guys come up with the show? I remember it was. Um, I think it was the uh, summer of 2012. Uh, Gerard and I had a show at the La Jolla Comedy Store, 
and I've never been to any of the other very nice stores. very nice I've heard that um, and I think Gerard just got the variety top 10 comics to watch I think mm, that's what so it was 2015 2012 2012 2012 okay. yeah and NBC approached him and said hey you know we'd like to do a show with you mm-hmm and Gerard and I were roommates at the time, you know, so I was always, like, writing freelance stuff just, just for myself most of the time. And Ooh, comedy scripts. writing. Oh, no, comedy roommates. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, and, and you know. So what did you do for work then? I worked at the comedy store. Oh, okay. I was a doorman there at the comedy store. I can't believe they saw you showcase, though. You should work <laughs> yeah. here. And, um, and so Gerard goes, hey, Willie, let's, let's create a show. And I go, all right. So... I started writing some things. The original concept of the Carmichael show, the the first ever incarnation of the show was what I wrote, which was Gerard and his girlfriend just signed a lease to an apartment, mm-hmm. and they live together, but then they break up by the, the end of the episode, and they just remain roommates. Mm. And, uh, and that's what was the show. And the the name of his girlfriend at the time was Maxine, so that was the you know the first, and that's the name, ended up keeping that name. So wait, so the concept was, so they're roommates in a one-bedroom apartment, they break up. Yeah. But y'all have a year lease, and yeah. now you're roommates in a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah. God. <laughs> this almost makes you want to move in with somebody and get a two-bedroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, and so we did that, and it was fine or whatever, but I had the dialogue there because we wanted a dialogue-heavy show. Mm-hmm. And then Gerard came to New York for the winter and I had known Ari a little bit, but he had known Ari a little bit better. And they were hanging out, and they were writing some stuff. And Gerard said, hey, I want Ari to join, too. I was like, fine. You know, I love more of the, bar- the right. barrier. So then we started writing, and we did a pilot presentation at the end of 2013 for NBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not anything what we wanted. They had mm-hmm. signed us some showrunner that told us that's not how television works. What? And and we're at the time. I think we were 26, so we were like, uh, we we basically goofed off the whole time just to make sure, because like, we wanted to do what we wanted to do. Yeah. And then it just sat on the shelf for months. Uh, the pilot presentation, uh, and then NBC got bought by Comcast. Yeah. And they said, Hey, what happened to all those pilot presentations that you shot, especially with that young comic Gerard Karma? Because Gerard right. was, you know, starting doing. So the pilot. Like, so what's a so for people who don't know, what's a pilot presentation? It is a it's a concept of what you're going to do. So it's a proof of concept. It's a proof of concept. You you get a small budget, like really small budget, but you get to use NBC's facilities to try mm. to shoot a And they let you cast it. Yes. Oh, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. Oh my God. So so th- at that time I love this. We were so we're casting for there's a character based off me in this show too. Um uh, his name was Alex. So, and Gerard wanted me to play that part, and I said, "Dude, man, we can't have two people that can't act in a show." Ah! <laughs> and then, uh, so we end up getting William Harper. Uh, he's the guy that's in a Good Place, the black guy with the glasses in a Good Place. He was the guy that played me. He oh, is, he plays Chidi. He is amazing. Oh, he's great. He is so great. Oh my god! And the girl we got to play Maxine was uh, Gerard's girlfriend was the girl that that was uh, in Michael Jackson's This Is It. She played the girl in The Way You Make Me Feel. She was that what? girl. Yeah. So we were like, whoa, we're hitting it. This is big time. So we did that. We did the pilot presentation. It was all right. And um, then NBC came back with us again, and Gerard had already he had just shot Neighbors. Yes. And that's when Nick Stoller came in. 
You know, it's funny is that I saw neighbors. I loved neighbors. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until, and I met him at JFL and was talking to him. And then someone had to say it to me Mm -hmm. that that was Jamar. I mean, that was Gerard. Okay. And I was like, no, that wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you hate those moments, especially when you first meet somebody. Yeah, yeah. But, because I met, because he is one of, I met him at JFL. I was hanging out with, like, I just met Che, like, because I I was a new face. Yeah. Didn't have any idea what the hell was going on. They just plucked me from Georgia. (laughs) And I met him and Che and Colin and all these people at all the exact same time. Wow. But Gerard, the second I met him, he, like, we were in a club or something. And for some reason, when he every time he would talk to me, from the second he talked to me, you don't hear anything else. There's just a way that he would just look at me. Or I guess I look at people in general. But anytime he talks to me, everything else disappears. And this is who I'm talking to. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. But it's a it's that characteristic could be a double edged sword on TV. Uh, on TV, looking at that, absolutely. But getting on TV, it's paramount. You need that skill. You need that skill because you need to, to be able executives to and like pull focus, like yeah. getting something, making people feel like that they're the only one in the room. Yeah. And having that be a genuine part of who you are, not something that you cultivated or learned mm-hmm. is great because when you're talking to him, you're just like, mm-hmm. And, and I know that from my own uh, personal experiences, when we went out to pitch the Carmichael show, everyone wanted to work with us. It was, when people ask me, how do we sell a Carmichael show? I go, I don't know. It was, it was the easiest thing i ever done in my life. And well, I think just because Gerard was attached to it, because I've been trying to sell shows since and no luck. <laughs> uh, well, people really fucked with him. Yeah. Because, like, he had an hour. Yeah, this um, comedy store special. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's an intelligent guy. He, 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 but he was, like, one of those comics where just, like, people don't know. Because he just popped up, and I was like, who? But I also came out of Atlanta, so I never knew anything. Oh, no, no. I mean, everyone thought he was just a, he was a big darling in uh, Los Angeles. You yeah. Know, amongst the agents Because when managers. I got to L.A., that was the name oh, that I man, heard man. every single every single meeting, every single comic, whether they were happy for him or hating on him. Everybody was saying his name. I know so many dark-skinned, skinny comics that got a career just because they look like Gerard. Ah! And I'm not naming any names, but they know who they are. <laughs> you know who you, you know is. Who you, are. you know who you uh, is. You better fake that. You better give him his 10%. Uh, so, wait. So, you guys just came up with the idea for the show just fucking around and hanging out? Yeah, well, <clears throat> we didn't know what we wanted. We just knew that we wanted a lot of dialogue and we wanted to talk about... Because Gerard's stand-up is based on uh, what's happening in the world. Yeah. Uh, I remember when we first pitched the show, we said we want something that's like The Daily Show meets Mm. South Park uh, meets All in the Family. That's a lot. Okay. You know, we didn't really know what we wanted, but we we knew the things that, the concepts. And then when Nick Stoller came aboard, who directed Neighbors, and Gerard said, hey, would you like to come on um, and EP this show with me? And Mm. and Gerard's a, a very smart man as far as when it comes to business and stuff, too, because... 
we were at the back burner at NBC, but once Nick Stiller's name was attached to it, we got put back to the top. Again. It pops off. Exactly. Because NBC's like, wait a minute, Nick Stiller? Because he. How do you know this man? No, no, no. That, that, yeah. that must be the exact minds. It's like, well, if they can pull. Nick Stoller. We have to. We have to. Yeah. We have to do this. And when Nick came in there, he kind of ringed us in and, like, he said, you know, I think the things you want to do is you want to make it multi-generational. You can't have a bunch of young people talking about what's going on in the world Mm-mm. because it's annoying. Yeah. Uh, but have your grandpa talking there. Have your mom have something to say. Your cousin. Yeah. And, and that's when he came in with the everyone loves Raymond aspect of the show. Yes. And mixed in with Gerard's comedy. And that's how we have the Carmichael show we have today. And I remember the first episode that really defined uh, what our show was about it was the second episode of season um, one. Was It was about uh, Gerard has a birthday, but they're also mar- uh, protesting uh, Black Lives Matter. And so mm-hmm. Gerard's a little jealous that his birthday is getting overshadowed by the march. Damn you. <laughs> We're black every day. Can we not do it on my birthday? But I, I remember writing the episode and uh, the veteran writers on our team, veteran writers, I mean, people that worked in television before. Me, Gerard Nari, never worked in television. So we, people kind of looked at us like, look these fucking punks. Yeah. You know, but as we wrote that episode, I remember this story because this actually happened to Gerard. We lived at Park La Brea uh, and I lived there too after that for like 10 years, lived there for 10 years by the Grove. Very affluent area, a lot of Cidic Jews. It's, it's a nice neighborhood, a lot of families. Well, Gerard was walking to the Starbucks there one day, and the cop pulled, o- pulled over and handcuffed him. For walking. Just for walking, just for being suspicious. Right. And, um, and so we told that story in that episode. Yeah. And I remember the writers, the veteran writers on our team was like, oh, this is heavy. This is a sitcom. It's supposed to, not supposed to that's be this heavy. That's not heavy. That's go, everyday life. Exactly. I said, when you do heavy stuff, you can do more silly things. Yes. Because the heavy thing brings weight to it. It anchors the show. You can't just have a bunch of silly stuff. you got to have some, some gravitas. And Gerard did, and we did that. And I think that's when we took off what, what the Carmichael show was after that. All right, y'all. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back. Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Let's get back into it. Well, because it had a good balance. Because I think it's interesting. And what's interesting is that when... Because, like, if y'all don't know the producer of our show, Judith is black. This show is her idea, so it makes sense. <laughs> God forbid a white woman came up with this idea because that would be weird. Um, <laughs> or, or it would be one of those, well, you know, diversity is really in right now. Like, all these white comics coming up to me trying to pitch shit. Yo, we should write a show together. I don't know your last name. Oh, God. Why would I write a show with you, white dude? Oh, man, that's so funny. I don't know your last name. I'm glad you said that because when we were pitching Carmichael's show, because we always wanted an all-black cast. Yeah. We always wanted that. And uh, I remember we're leaning in and we're talking about the show, and then I leaned at the end and I said, and everyone's black. And everyone kind of went, and then at the time, it was easy. It was good to say this. Dry lingo was like, no, 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 Cosby black, though. Cosby black. And then uh, like, and everyone in the room going, oh, okay, I can see that now. No! <laughs> and I was like, what? Are you kidding me? What they, did you think was it going to be? Fucking uh, gangland black? I, I Is that what you were afraid of? I, I don't know. Well, that's the thing about... Um, Los Angeles, or the entertainment business as a whole, is racist as fuck. Thank you so much for saying that L.A. is racist. <laughs> it I is say it all the time. Very racist. L.A. is racist. New York is racist. Everywhere is 
racism. Everywhere and, is racist. And America spends a lot of time pinning all the racism in the country on the South. I, I had a white girlfriend that complained that she wasn't getting any roles because they're not looking for white people. And I go, okay. if you're good, you'd, you'd get the part. I explain this to white people all the time, especially these white boy comics who are coming up to me wanting to get sympathy. And it's just like, well, I just thought you would understand that I would understand what? They were letting you <laughs> mediocre fuckers through the cracks while we had to get work twice as hard to get half as much. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. It's too. Like, no, I'm not finna. Um, it's very interesting to me. It was just like, I literally was like, had a comic, not only white, Canadian white. <laughs> Fucking with, like, arguing with me, attempting to argue with me at the Virgil at a holiday party when I still lived in L.A. I was like, well, it's really hard for white. And I'm just like, if you're good, they can't deny you. Yeah. And that's all I kept saying to him. He's like, well, I just thought you would understand. I was like, you're not being excluded. You're ask, being asked to step up. But the thing about the, what sucks about Los Angeles, like, I can say it's racist, but everyone's complicit. Like, even every race is complicit. Like, yes. I hate when they're like... A black theme show or a like comedy shows or yeah. a Mexican theme night or a women comedy show is like it should just be one good comedy show. Right, but I think they do that is because of the audience because I can say That's true too. And I can say and I think those show because people are like, Well, you know, if we're trying to include people, why do we still have yeah. you know, these black nights and all this other stuff? And it's like, but you have to acknowledge it's the stand up that you do in in urban rooms is different than the stand-up you can do in white rooms. Yeah. Because with because I mentored, when I started, Big Kenny, who got me to start, told me if you were doing an urban room, if you're doing a black room, you have to have a laugh every 30 seconds. Mm. Period. Whether if Even if it's not a joke that leads up to the big punchline, you have to have a laugh every 30 seconds. And then I started going into mainstream, quote-unquote, white rooms. This fucker's premise is two minutes long. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just like, if you tried this in a black room, they would have shook the keys at you. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've been in a black room where I had a long premise and they just went back to playing cards. <laughs> I was like, what Jesus. room were you in where they were playing cards? It was called Weber's. It was in the valley. And Tony Baker, you hear me? Weber's. We came up with a theme song for it. Tony Baker, <laughs> him saying Jesus Trejo's name. Is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> cause he pretend, cause like I was hanging out with him at JFL one time, and I was only supposed to be there Sunday through Thursday, like mm -hmm. Monday through Thursday, and I was like, I ain't gotta be nowhere, so I stayed with Jesus uh -huh. till Sunday. So I was basically there from like a Monday to a Sunday at JFL. Which if you're not doing, oh, you get fucked up. Well, like, but also it's like if you're not doing like the race, like the. The, any of the like show shows there yeah. there's no reason for you to be there that long and Tony Baker would be laying in the bed and pop up and go Jesus like it was just <laughs> and it was all of these impressions that Tony Baker would do but him saying Jesus' name is completely off it was amazing so wait a second now you're saying that you modeled this after so you said like All in the Family and then South Park and that was the original premise. And Daily Show with like the topical and, stuff. And yeah. topical stuff. And so now it's interesting that y'all went in that All in the Family, the Jeffersons, you know, even like a yeah. Good Times kind of vibe. And you went to the topical stuff because of uh, Gerard's comedy is topical. Yeah. So like, like with the Gerard with, likes taking uh, to recite some of his one of his jokes. I remember when I became his a fan of his. He had this joke about George Washington, and he takes like these facts and 
put a funny twist on. He's very Chappelle-like in that sense, mm-hmm. um, where he said George Washington uh, owned uh, like seventy slaves. Yeah, and uh, thirteen of them was borrowed from his neighbor. Yeah, right. He said, "Can you imagine being his neighbor? George Washington's on his deathbed, and you got to go get those slaves back." Oh my god! So you go knock on the door. He's like, dun, 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 dun. "Oh, Martha, I'm sorry to be a bother, but uh, does George have those niggas I let him?" And oh. <laughs> But that's so funny that that was on a write-up where it was like, he had 70, 13 were borrowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't mention that. So that he, like, takes a lot of information and those little things like that. He Don't tell people he only had 57 slicks. You know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so uh, so when we did the show, we wanted to do topics like that. Almost every episode is themed after something uh, about uh, black health, you know. Because, like, the episode called The Blues. That's that I wrote that one. That was my First one I solely wrote on my own. That was you wrote about, that whole episode by yourself? Yes. That's very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where I, I hate it. I don't want to give away the writer's secrets, but everyone really writes everything, but one person is assigned the overall view. It's almost like you're the captain of this episode. Oh, you're the captain of this ship. Yep. So we all got together and broke down the story. But I have the final say what goes. Like, I typed it all up and everything mm. and chose whatever. Okay. Uh, but I remember writing that episode. I was going to therapy at that time. I was I was battling depression really I hard. I think about going to therapy. And it's then I think amazing. about, Nikki, you're fine. So, like, so you came up with this episode mm-hmm. because you were. I was going to therapy myself. Yeah. And, um, and I said, you know, in the black community, we don't talk about mental health at all. Uh, but I was thinking, like, what is depression? And it's like you you lose la- uh, you want to feel appreciated, you want to be respected, and you want to trust other people. So I was like, I think that's what that is. But but we got to that, and and that's when we said this should be Loretta should be going. Her character should be going through mm-hmm. depression. She's feel unappreciated by the family. Mm-hmm. You know, um, life is moving along, and she feels like she's floating. You know. Mm-hmm. So when we started writing that episode, it was uh, it was very cathartic for me. In the Carmichael Show room, I think we had twelve writers, and six of them were women. That's great. And like of all the shows I hear about, you know, half the room being women, which is half the population. All right. That that's huge, and not just like white women. You know, we had like one white lady, a couple white ladies. You know, black women, Mexican women. Yeah. You know, we we had it. We had it all. You know. Yeah. So when we wrote that, we, I really got some perspective of like, not just from a woman, but m- from a motherly stance standpoint yeah. of how depression really works. You know. So when we wrote that, and Loretta, of course, is just fantastic. I realize I have a, I do a not good impression of Loretta Devine. Oh, really? Well, let me hear um, it. <laughs> let me see. She always sounds like someone where it's just like the Yankees are coming. Yeah. Like that's I always think like of her. Like a southern belle, yeah. Like a southern like I just can't like Black Blanche. Yeah. Like if they were do oh Golden Girls reboot Loretta Devine Black Blanche. Oh wow wow okay. All right y'all we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back. Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Let's get back into it. Okay, uh, this is a moment I like to call that black ass confession. Um, where I talk about a show, a black show I've never seen before. Okay. And I have never seen The Wire. I've only seen one episode of The Wire. Okay. It's just it's just a uh, a projection I just don't want to see. Mm. 
Mm, projection. Okay. Of, 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 of Drug black dealing black people in yeah. Baltimore. I'm just like, mm. and that's going back to how I feel how Los Angeles races is because that's what they view as black. Yes. You can't be an intelligent. You can't live in a nice place. Can't live in a nice like. No, that's not black. And like, you can't tell me how to be black. I'm black. There's so many times where like you look at like TV and it's because there's so many networks and stations and all this other stuff Mm -hmm. because like when you think about like networks like upn and there were so many black shows on yeah and for you to like have been like from you know from where we're from and to create it to have you know been a part of two really like black shows that people weren't i mean no one saw like drawn having a show yes but i don't think people saw rail having a show coming in the type of show that it was because he was doing character work yeah. And yeah. I don't think because it like it reminded me of like those characters that Martin would do. That's what he wanted. He wanted a show like Martin, basically. And um, do you think all those characters worked? No, um, but they were fun. He wanted he's different between Gerard and Rel. Gerard's a little more serious and Rel's a little more silly. Yeah. And and as humans, they're like Yeah. <laughs> and if if Rel's having a good time, I'm having a good time. He's yeah. just very contagious laughter and energy that he has. Um, now, some of them didn't contribute to the, the plot or the story. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so with the characters with Rel, because I was trying to figure out how y'all... Were the episodes motivated by the characters or were there episodes where you're like, we can plug a character into this? Uh, they were, Rel would just have ideas. He would say, I want to do something like this. I want to do something like this. And we would outline the episode for the story. Mm -hmm. And as we're doing the story, we sprinkled in some characters. Because Rel said he would would have a list of the things he wanted to talk about and do. Mm -hmm. And then he would have a list of characters he would want to play. So we'd just do it like this, like piecing all these things together. To appease him. Like a mad lip. Yeah, that's basically what it was. Um, uh, but I do remember there was one episode where he played, he took his kids to a... Uh, 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 like an amusement, like a sad yeah, Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. Because Earthquake was in that episode, he right? Was, yeah. That was a funny episode. That was like my, that was my first week of working on that show was that episode. Mm. Like week four or something like that. And uh, I loved that episode. And I think he played a character that was like, an old man that was gay or something like that. But yeah, but wasn't really saying anything. He and he saying, hits on the yeah, dad. He was on the down low or something. I do remember another episode when Kyla Pratt was in. Uh, I, she's great. That girl from One on One and Proud Family. Yeah, she is phenomenal. Oh, she's been because she's been acting since she was like what five. Yeah, she's been acting since she was like five or six. And she has that that. Like she reminds me of like my little sister. Yeah, a little she's bit. Very like, much little sister vibes. Yeah, little sister vibes. So it was kind of fun to see her and Rel's dynamic together, and um, that was a fun episode too. But I do remember the late great Kevin Barnett was in that episode. Mm. Uh, <laughs> when he just he got I think he got dumped by a Jess Hilarious character, and he had to cry. Speaking of crying. And he did like this silly cry, and I still I'm still laughing about this to this day, man. I, I love that guy. He's, what a great dude. I don't know. Do you ever meet? Do you ever meet Kevin? I met him a few times, and but what's funny is like my friend called me to tell me that he had passed away. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny because like we would see each other, and I know that I'm telling the truth about this. We were at a show one time, and we just kept looking at each other and giggling. Yeah, I'd never had words with him other than "Hey, darling, hi." 
or but it was never I never knew his name uh-huh. because we would just see each other smile and hug but we would be at shows somebody would say and we'd look at each other and laugh I never I it's I never knew his name I also was like this nigga's cute <laughs> I should probably learn his the name women, the women loved him because uh, that was the thing when I found out I was like because I said that, I was like you mean the cute nigga to be at all the shows <laughs> I mean, the guy's like six five or some shit like that. Listen, every time I saw him, I just like he's cute. He probably only fuck with white girls anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, know if he was he, equal opportunity he employer. He was definitely equal opportunity guy. Because I saw him, he I was, was just like this. Some different girl all the time with this. Oh, guy. I fit, but like, I was like, he's cute. But then I never like I couldn't ask people. I'm very bad with names, mm. so if I see your face, I'll probably remember you forever. And he, he worked on, on Carmichael's show, too, him and Joshua Benowitz. Yes, yes, yes. And um, and the reason why I bring that up is because Gerard's mom, his actual mom in real life, who's this God-fearing you know, woman, she goes to church, like, you know, four times a week. Ooh, that's yeah. God-fearing. And uh, she's like, she's the community mom. You know, mm. if you got nothing to eat, come to her house, she'll fix you something to eat. Very nice, nice lady. Uh, had a crush on on Kevin. Ah! But she was like she was like flustered around him. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I would I would see I would always see him like at the. Uh... And Gerard would constantly put his mom in an awkward situation, and said, "All right, so if you if you if Dad wasn't around, would you date Kevin? Like put her on Facetime in front of everyone in the no, writers' room. No, don't do that. And she's like, "Oh, Gerard, why do you got this? Like, no, Mom, answer the question. Answer the question. She's like, "I mean, I, I mean, uh, I gotta go." <laughs> You don't do that to your mama. <laughs> so it was, it's, uh, it's very, uh, it was a nice little thing we had going there. Yeah, he was, he was just a really nice guy. He was just one of those people where. Well, every time he seemed like he had a sweet spirit. Yeah, wherever he stood, people stood around him. Yes. Like he was like a base. Like, and that was know. the other reason I could never talk to him because he was always. Always talking to someone. Surrounded and just yeah. laughing. I'm just like. One day I'm gonna get this. Nigga. But when when you do get him one on one, he really is because I I know Ed uh, Ed Larson uh, as well, and uh, him and Ed they they know. I've only known Kevin for a few two or three years, mm-hmm. but the previous year before he passed away, like a month or two before, we became really good friends because I you know I I was uh, I broke up my girlfriend. I was a little depressed. I had a friend that had died, uh, but I remember Kevin. He took me to cheer me up. He took me to a Stevie Wonder concert. Yeah, and that, that's who he is right there. He's like, hey, man, I'm going to Steve Wonder concert. I'm going to cheer you up. Come with me. I was like, nah, I don't, I'll buy you a ticket. I was like, all right, I'll go. Hey, man, you might be a ticket. I might show up to pretty much anything. <laughs> I show up to the Redneck Games if you give me a ticket. It was the best concert I've ever been to in my entire Stevie Wonder still has it. Man. It, it, it's, it was the best concert I've ever been to ever. Uh, that's it, amazing. So he's a great guy, great guy. Funny man, too, very funny. That's great, man. I Well, thank you. So much, Willie Hunter, <laughs> who I always say her name, Willie Hunter. <laughs> it is a reference to a song that I can't remember right now. I wanted to thank Willie Hunter. You knew what I was going to do it again? For joining me on the show today. We learned that Willie found writing the mental health episode of the Carmichael Show cathartic that according to Willie and I, and maybe some other black people we know, that the entertainment industry and Los Angeles are racist as fuck. And fellow comedian Kevin Barnett left a lasting impression on the comedy community. All right, that's our last episode. Now don't worry, you know this isn't the last you heard from me. (laughs) Yeah, girl. 
In fact, you can catch me on The Daily Show, and you can hear my lovely voice in the new Fox animated show, The Great North, which will be premiering on February 14th. I want to thank you guys for listening. Our creator and producer of the show is Judith Carbo. Our supervising producer is Rebecca Steinberg. Our music composer and supervisor is Brendan Solomon Lynch. Our audio engineer is Jessica Gutierrez. Our executive producer is Jason Smith. And I'm your host, Dulce Sloan. So join us next time on That Black Ass Show. Star Bands Avenue, a podcast network.